Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Yeah, so hopefully, Eric, we don't have to deal with this shit anymore. I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. I'm just going to pull the trigger and spend the $40 a month that it's going to take me to get decent internet because I'm tired of dealing with the shit in hotels. Well, I'd rather have you dealing with it in hotels than me having to, to pilot the show because you're in the basement <laughs> during a tornado warning. Like that was, yes, that wasn't a seamless transition, but we got through it. So hopefully we get through it without no. issue today because I've been looking forward to this yeah. show for a couple of weeks. Oh yeah. I'm sure longer than that ever since he committed to it. So, cause we know you're a big FSU closet homer, but um, anyway, so Welcome back to the South End Zone. Uh, brought to you by the Belly Up Sports Network. Eric, we are official, man. We're on Belly Up now. Yeah, I, I actually did a guest spot the other night with uh, an NFL pod, the uh, LA Chargers. That we were talking about some some uh, of the big uglies, some O-linemen. And I mentioned, like, we're so new to the network that we're actually not even official yet. Like, I don't think yeah. the paperwork's been worked out and the website accesses and all that. But yeah, we found a new home and we're excited to be here. Yeah, no kidding. And with us today, we're continuing on with some of these guest appearances that we've been doing, talking about team-specific stuff. And you guessed it, we're talking about Florida State today. And so with us, we have Logan Robinson, who is the owner and founder of Noel Game Day. You can find them at, at Noel Game Day on Twitter. And uh, Logan, welcome to the show, man. Jason, Eric, appreciate y'all reaching out to me, giving me this opportunity to come on here and talk some FSU football. I was, I was talking to you guys in the production meeting. Perfect timing, spring game coming up on Saturday afternoon. Big season ahead. I know we're going to dive into it, but uh, an exciting time, it seems like, in Tallahassee. So always look forward to coming on to anyone's show, definitely y'all's, and, and getting a kind of deep dive into what Florida State is going to bring onto the field in 2023. Well, I'm not sure that uh, you're going to wait, you know, feel the same way after the show is over that you're excited to be here, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, so real quick, before we dive into the show and I let Eric start badgering you about all these, you know, team specific questions, go ahead and tell all our listeners where all they can find all your FSU content. Well, like you had said, we're at Noel Game Day practically everywhere on all social media platforms, specifically Twitter, Twitter, 
We're on Facebook, Instagram, and then we also do a weekly show on YouTube that's also under at Null Game Day called Hear the Spear. That's audio available on every platform. And then we now have a film breakdown show with former 2013 national champion and Remington Award winner. Brian Stork, and we do a film breakdowns with Calculated Chaos. So uh, that's practically it. You know, it's a little busy right now, but so there's tons of content going out. So if you do do any kind of search of null or null game day in it, then it should find pretty fine. All right, awesome. Awesome, man. All right. Well, I'm throwing you up against the firing squad today. Eric, show him no mercy and yeah. fire away One with everything show. you want to badger him about, man. Fire it away. So uh, you just kind of as a, a an an entry into the discussion. I wanted to recap 2022 real quick. I don't want to say surprising, but I don't think a lot of people saw them winning nine games and then winning a bowl game against a power five team. So their, their Vegas preseason total was six and a half. I was on the over. Like I was very confident they would get to seven wins. I thought they eight was kind of their ceiling, but the, the big kind of revelation was I thought Jordan Travis took a big step forward, right? He had the 3,200 yards, 24 touchdowns, nine yards in attempt, which is a superb number. And then he ran for another 400 yards. So what, what did you see out of him that you didn't see in years prior when they were struggling? One of the biggest things that stood out was when we were at spring practice this time last year, you started seeing him become more of a hands-on vocal guy. And we saw him on, on the physical side of things, what he was doing with his play style, looking downfield a lot more. Because when we first saw Jordan Travis in his first season, he was a guy that liked to use his legs he had wheels. He still has wheels. I think he's faster whenever he puts pads on. You know, we all know that he's a running threat back there. He's another running back. But one thing that he had to get better on was keeping his eyes downfield, connecting with the deep balls, um, intermediate throws, just little things like that. And we could see Florida State's offense improve behind Mike Norvell and Coach Atkins. And we saw that in 2022 when Florida State also upgrading that wide receiver room was much needed. And I think looking at what Ron Dugans, Norvell, and that transfer portal, that helped a ton too. So got to give credit there. But specifically for JTrav, it was his mindset, his mentality, being able to go into a leadership form for a football team. And Florida State hadn't really ha- hasn't really had that in a very long while, Eric, at that quarterback position, someone willing to step up and lead. And I think more of it's just on the field. He builds a lot of respect from his teammates, making plays, keeping them in games. But we saw that in the spring last year, and we just wanted to see it go against a different team. And, you know, what a better way in your week one going against LSU on the road, heavy LSU crowd, still Florida State showed up. But we got to see that firsthand right off the bat, Eric. It's just fun to watch it in camp. Mike Norvell opens up practices, you know, 75% of practices is open to the media. Of course, we got to keep shut on a few things, but we were able to see J-Trab develop and make these plays in practice, make these drives, connect with wide receivers that had just transferred, building new chemistry with them. So just for it to translate off off of the practice field into games and then him to further improve, which he still has a lot to a lot of work to do. But to see that happen last year was was super impressive. I'm, I think you're correct, Eric. That's what helped a ton with Florida State moving forward and getting those wins. 
So you mentioned the word transfer and the word receivers. And one guy in particular I want to talk about that I think it went a long way in helping Jordan Travis progress and look much better than he did in 2021. It was Johnny Wilson who transferred from Arizona State. So he had uh, around 900 yards. But the thing that stands out with him is the 21 yards per catch average. I mean, that's, you know, the guy's big. The guy's like 6'6 or 6'7 and he's fast. So it makes sense. He's a deep threat. But how much better do you think he could be? Not to necessarily get too far ahead of ourselves as far as next year, but Mm -hmm. you compare this past season to his time at Arizona State with Jaden Daniels, who is a capable quarterback. What what did you see that kind of got him off to a good start in Tallahassee? Literally, it's going to be probably the theme of this podcast last spring, you know, him making these certain plays. And he was in a loaded transfer class in the wide receiver room, specifically with Dugans, because your star of that was going to be Winston Wright. You also had Micah Pittman coming from Oregon, Mario Cristobal at the time. Um, and then you also had Deuce Spann, who was kind of just a prototype. He w- used to play quarterback. He transfers over and play a little bit of wide receiver, and then you're going to have to work on him. And, but he's a super crazy athletic guy. And then you had Johnny Wilson, which you know I think a lot of Florida State fans are like, well, do you move him? Is he going to be like a hybrid, like a tight end? Are you going to put him on the line? What are you going to do with him? Yeah, that's what I, I think- thought. Yeah, because you didn't know we didn't know that there was speed there and that the caliber of also getting off the tackles. We we didn't notice that until we were, you know, being able to go to these practices and see him make plays over the middle, short passes, and like we saw multiple times in highlights last year, the ability to have Jordan Travis overthrow if he needs to be, and you know, Johnny Wilson will go up and grab it, and that's gonna be a quarterback's favorite right off the bat and that's how they built chemistry right away and you know the biggest thing right now he's got to work on is his consistency with catching the ball and he had another slow start kind of to this spring but now has hit a rhythm like he did last year which is a huge sign but I think for him no matter what it's always going to be a mental game and he had multiple touchdown drops last year which could have gone for six and it kind of put Florida State in some tough situations at times so Johnny Wilson the, the sky is the limit for that kid he's He's a, he likes to work. He is not scared to be physical. Uh, and I, I, you know, I think numbers wise, you, you, you would like to see him be over that, but now there's a lot of other wide receivers that are taking that next step in that room. So you don't have to rely so much on Johnny, but he is going to play a pivotal role for Florida state's offense. Yeah. There's only one football to go around. Uh, unfortunately for those guys, speaking of which last year, they had kind of a three headed monster at running back with Benson, Ward and then Toa Feely, who was a little more of the pass catcher out of the backfield. So, uh, Treshawn Ward transfers to, I believe, K State. Yep. And so, are they going to look for a guy to fill that third spot and rotate guys, or do you think it's a two man show? Because uh, Benson was very, very good. I was kind of surprised he was coming back. I thought he would take the chance to, to go into the draft, but just under a thousand yards, six and a half per carry, which is absurd. Nine scores. I just, the run game was so good. Is it more these guys or more the, the guys up front? Because that up front was the question mark for us going into last year. And they, it turns out they played pretty well. It was. It was. I want to give a lot of credit to the offensive line. It took a little while for Trey Benson to find his groove after coming back from his injury. And, you know, going back to that LSU game specifically, Trayshawn Ward and the Oklahoma game. Matter of fact, Trayshawn Ward was the guy that was able to go north. And, you know, Trey was really going east and west. But, yeah, you get Trey Benson back. Florida State has really done 
some big time moves on the NIL side of things. There's a reason why a lot of these guys are coming back to try to make a run here for and inside the ACC. But that room now, I love Trishon Ward, his story, him going from a walk on, then going into being a starter. And he's a special back that Florida State and Coach uh, Yak, Florida State's running backs coach, did a really good job developing, and they continue to do that inside that room with David Johnson. So Florida State now is going to rely on Trey Benson, Lawrence Toffoli, your most experienced guys, but there's some behind there that you see flashes continuously through practice. It just hasn't been able to go onto the field yet. Not like it hasn't translated. It's just that they haven't seen the opportunity because there was a Trey Sean Ward. There was a Trey Benson that was blowing up. And like you said, they like to use Lawrence to Philly in a lot of different ways. Definitely more in the pass catcher scheme of things. But you see Lawrence to Philly adding some size this spring, adding on an extra 10 pounds, which has always been the hoopla about him that he needs to always continuously put on size. I don't, I think we need to stop that. But Florida State will look at Rodney Hill, a guy, a younger player, going into his red shirt for freshman season, which Mike Norvell called him the most, one of the, you know, standout players from this spring and, you know, relied a lot on him during this last scrimmage. And then, you know, there's a Kaziah Holmes, Penn State running back transfer that actually transferred to Florida State last year, didn't get to see the field. And then now, is going to be able to get a chance to compete and maybe be that number three running back because no matter what, there will never be under Mike Norvell's offense. I don't care. Well, I mean, if you're Dalvin Cook, that's a whole different argument there. But Florida State doesn't have a Dalvin Cook, and Mike Norvell is going to have a rotation of running backs no matter what game, and whoever's fresh or hot will be out there on the field, but he's still going to duel out a couple of running backs a game. So, you know, I think I'm, I'm specifically looking at Kaziah Holmes and Rodney Hill here. And then you've also got a walk-on with C.J. Campbell, which I, you know, I don't mention a lot of walk-ons much. But when it comes to the running back room and what Coach Yak has been able to to do and develop, like he did with Trayshawn Ward, C.J. Campbell, we'll see the playing field in 2023 from what I've seen in spring. So you lose Trayshawn. I think Florida State will find out a little bit early on in some of these games. It's not great that Florida State's going to tested out against LSU, but they're going to find out, you know, Trayshawn Ward brought a different ability to this offense behind Mike Norvell. Yeah. I, I thought K-State was like the perfect fit for him when, yeah. when he left, right? With Deuce Vaughn leaving as like, he gets a chance to be the main guy. And I, I would expect he kind of embraces that and has a big season. So Jason, what do you say we get into spring ball? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, so Logan, I, I kind of want to, I'm always a uh, defense first type guy. And so I want to know about some of these holes that Florida State has to fill on the defense. It doesn't seem like they really have all that many holes to fill just looking at their roster. I mean, can you talk to me about some of the notable position battles that I might want to take a look at? I really only see maybe one or two of consequence. I mean, this has got to be, I would just estimate here. I mean, this has to be like the oldest, most experienced defense that Norvell has had since he's been there. Man, am I crazy? Well, you should know that. No, there, there's no excuses for Adam Fuller this season. I mean, was one, <laughs> you know, I know there's a lot of chatter always on the timeline on Saturdays if things go wrong defensively, even though Florida State was one of the top teams last year, not allowing explosive plays. Just statistically, I can't keep up with all the analytics, but you, I, you know, mm-hmm. top 15 defense in college football, top 15 in offense, you know, there's no excuse, though, at least on Adam Fuller's side of things. You'd lose Jamie Robinson, a, a great experienced safety he's probably a, a you know round two round three guy second day pick and he brought a lot of versatility to that defense and i think going to your question jason with competition wise it's going to be in that safety room 
for me, you know, I don't think it's, I think it's going to be very hard for Florida State to keep Shaheen Brown off the field. We saw a lot of playing time from him last year because of Akeem Dent going down with injury. And Brown stepped up to the plate and has emerged as an early young leader for Florida State. Very vocal, isn't shy of anything. And we've seen him, we saw him against UF go, you know, 30 yards east to, you know, make a big time deflection and a ball that would have put Florida State in a bad spot to potentially lose to UF. Shaheen Brown is able to make plays, but now who's going to also be out there? Akeem Dent's making a return of veteran safety. You're also going to throw out Marion Cooper, who played corner uh, at the first beginning of his career at Florida State, and it creates a whole kind of competition of who's going to be out there starting. And, you know, we're going to see what Travis Jay can do. He's another player that's been with the program for a very long while. He has not decided to enter the transfer portal, a guy that won multiple state championships, was one of the highlights of Florida State's most recent classes, but it just hasn't developed onto the field. And we know there's special abilities, but one of his biggest concerns concerns is in coverage. And that's something that, you know, nowadays with for, with, with college football, you've got to be able to cover because coaches are going explosive. They're going to go deep on you. And that was one of his downfalls as a player. So just looking at that room alone, I think competitively wise, that is huge. And, you know, I think you also jump over to defensive end, which is a whole different discussion with it being led by Jared Burse. So, when I look at Mike Norvell and what he's done at Florida State, I would argue he has done better than any head coach in America in the transfer portal in terms of identifying guys who can come in, get on the field, and make an impact, right? Even starting with guys like Jermaine Johnson, right? Jared Verse. Uh, I, I read somewhere a couple of weeks ago, he, he's taken 30 transfers in his time through his first three years at Florida State. And I want to say like 14 of them have been all-conference players. Like his, his hit rate on bringing these guys in is very, very good. And he brought in a couple of guys, one in particular I watched in high school and I think has a chance to be a really, really good player. And they didn't, he plays also worth mentioning. He plays at a position that they were not great at last year and that's tight end. And that's Jaheim Bell from South Carolina. What is, what does it look like they're maybe going to try to do with him from what you've seen at spring ball? Going off a few things, just hearing from scrimmages and also practices and being at practice and what Minervell wants to do offensively, it's going to be fun. It'll, it'll be fun. I think Minervell just got like the Ferrari and he just picked it up and he's figuring out where he wants to drive it around at. And, yeah. you know, luckily it's going to be in Tallahassee with Florida State's offense. And I think where he's going to want to put him is everywhere. He's going to be all over the field in 2023. And, you know, Florida State right now, I, I'm, I'm excited for that tight end room. You know, not I mean, even with Jaheim Bell coming or not, of course, that adds on a lot of different abilities and what you can do offensively. But this room as a whole, there is actual excitement. I think for Florida State and what Minervell was able to do in the portal, grabbing Jaheim Bell, I think it goes to show too, like you were saying, Eric, you think of him being one of the top coaches in college football on the transfer portal. And I think Jaheim Bell recognized that and also saw what Florida State was able to do offensively to put the ball in their playmakers' hands. And I, right. I think that's specifically it. Without a without a big time tight end. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you were working with Cam McDonald and Marquiston Douglas and a handful of others, but those were your two guys you were relying on starting every Saturday. And but now Mike hasn't really had a playmaker where, at least at the tight end position, where <laughs> you can give him the ball 
and he can run like a running back and he's got the vision of one and he can get off tackle that's and the speed you know cam mcdonald was not that marquise douglas doesn't need to be that for this offense and if you're able to pair marquise alongside with a guy like jaheem bell or now another transfer with kyle morlock you add on a range of also a lot of things you can do offensively. So I, I, he's going to, he's going to see everywhere on that field. And I will tell you what, being able to go and, you know, go to the first couple of practices during camp to watch what Jaheim Bell will do deep. He, it doesn't look like a tight end making those plays. He does look like a wide receiver and it's freaky to think that because we oh, just no, talked about a, <laughs> He's a dude. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about, we talked about, you know, Johnny Wilson too. So you can also have that on the other side of the field. It just kind of gets to a point. Like I said at the very beginning, Mike Norvell is just kind of licking his chops type of deal. Yeah. Well, and the guy actually played running back in high school. He, he went to Valdaus High School. He was there with Tate Rodmaker. Roland Groder! I think he even played some running back at South Carolina, I believe. But yep. he's like when you watch Georgia play and you see how they try to get Brock Bowers the ball basically in as many different ways as they can, whether it's on – he's a tight end and they're running jet sweeps with him, right, or a screen pass or up the seam. or And I think – Gene Bell is a similar type of athlete where they could, if they chose, do a lot of those same things with him and just get the ball in his hands, however it happens. So I was just kind of curious to see how he looks at spring so far, kind of integrating himself into that offense because he is a fantastic athlete. I'll say one last thing because I know Jason's ready to talk some more defense, but going into a little bit of defense here, Jaheim Bell, a little bit slow over start to spring camp, nothing like it was awful, yada, yada. I mean, it's spring, so all the fans want to hear what the heck's happening. But one thing that was pretty fun to watch was seeing Jaheim Bell versus Jared Verse. And Jared Verse ended up, you know, kind of toying with one of the offensive tackles and put them on their butt. And those guys started chattering up a little bit and then in comes Jaheim Bell and Jared Verse is like, all right, bring it on. And Jaheim Bell puts Jared Verse on his ass. So just uh just some fun things there, kind of warming up and getting used to Tallahassee. And he's gonna have to get used to Jared Verse quite a bit during practice, which doesn't seem like a lot of fun to me, just off of viewing. No, on I think on the on the list of fun football related activities, that's <laughs> I mean yeah. right up there with trying to elude Will Anderson. <laughs> Not not great. So, Logan, I'm not going to kick your teeth in on defense again here. Like I say, I kind of I don't I don't want to just sound like a, an easy answer or like a like we're half assing this. But the bottom line is they're bringing back pretty much everybody and they're going to be very deep and very experienced and they should perform at a high level. So I don't feel like there's really much to break down there we already kind of broke down any position battles that might go on so i want to look at the schedule because coming into last season they had a correct me if i'm wrong eric it was a six and a half win total yeah Yeah. six and a half half win vegas total last year and full disclosure i took the under i did not think that norvell was going to show me something i was like he hasn't shown anything to this point other than you know letdowns so until i see it i won't believe it i finally saw it kudos to florida state for letting him hang around and finally get it right but looking at the schedule man it doesn't really man it it doesn't do fsu any favors early i mean we know you open up with lsu which that is in orlando so that is a little bit of a favor you know it's kind of a home game but we know that's going to be a damn war based on what we saw last year then you got a couple of layups before you go on the road to clemson arguably the biggest game of the year. And then uh, you catch a home stretch there of VT, Syracuse, 
and Duke before road trips to Wake and Pitt and then close it out with Miami and Florida. So looking at this schedule, I would ballpark their win total. I think they're going to be in favored in either 10 or 11, uh, 10 or 11. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Like it, it's got to be their Vegas win total has got to be around 10 or so like 10 to 10 and a half. I would put it at like right at 10, a hard number. So what's the sentiment in Tallahassee on the schedule? Is there excitement? Is there, Oh God is, I mean, what are we, what are we looking at? I don't care who you play. FSU Twitter, whenever their schedule releases, there is immediate horrific <laughs> Uh, everything's tweeted horrifically. Yeah, this yeah. is awful. Sky is yes. falling. Yes. ACC, That's what we love. ACC has screwed Florida State again. It is over, and it's only been two minutes since the schedule release. I don't think even people have seen it yet. But goodness gracious, you knew you were going to face LSU. That's been on the docket for a very long while, so that shouldn't be any kind of excuse there. But you know, the biggest conversation, I think, really out of all this, everything else looks smooth to me just off of what Florida State was able to do to these opponents that they were supposed to be. That's how it used to be. You know, Florida State was supposed to beat these teams in the last four years, but they made it competitively, which should never be the case in Tallahassee. But now we're looking at it after last year where they prove they proved to us that they can beat these teams. You see an easier slate going into 2023, but it's still some really tough matchups if you're going to try to make a run, definitely to make a run at the playoffs, which I think is that goal no matter what for Norvell. But LSU and then that Clemson, do you like that they're early? Do you not like it? I think there's good and bad. I think there's more good than anything. I'm fine with it. I think it gives a lot of opportunity for Florida State to see how well they are after getting probably a little banged up after a physical game against LSU. We saw some guys get dinged up. Of course, Florida State star defensive tackle Fabian Lovett lost after the LSU game. There's This is going to be a physical game early on in the season. Florida State will go on at Clemson, which they gave them a tough time two years ago. And Jermaine Johnson, like you were talking about earlier, Eric, he was a big-time playmaker in that game. And Florida State will hopefully have a healthy Jared Verse going into that one to make it a good game up in Death Valley. It's just, if you lose or win, I still think Florida State, looking at that path right there and what I saw from the ACC last year, the, the, the three hardest games to me, LSU, Clemson, and Duke, if I'm being honest with you. You kidding me? Ooh, you know, I, giving Florida the snub. That's what I'm yeah. talking about. Yes. <laughs> Suck at Florida fans. Get some. You heard it here first. No game day. <laughs> <laughs> that honestly, right now, off of what I saw from Duke, you know, Miami's always going to be in, in a conversation. Luckily, I think give Florida State a ton of the edge there because they're at home. But no matter what, if my if Florida State goes to Miami, we saw what happened last year. There's about 16 fans in the stands, and Florida State Ugh. usually will take over Hard Rock. So yeah, yeah I was say it. Yeah. Oh god! Yeah, that- ABC and ESPN eats it up. They'll buy the rights for that game every year. But that was a total <sighs> letdown. You don't you don't even have fans in the stands. If that was maybe Florida State at home against Miami last year going on, then yeah, you'd have a little bit more of some entertainment for people that aren't FSU fans like you, Jason. It'd be a little bit more entertaining, but whenever you're looking at hard rock and there's, there'd be more tennis fans there than Miami fans, if we're being honest. So just a quick note on that game, because Eric full, I mean, we do partake in some uh, degenerate behavior on this podcast. And uh, good la- last year, I think that line, correct me if I'm wrong, it was obscene. It was huge. It was a lot. If you give me a minute while you guys talk about okay, it. Okay, yeah. The so there, this, there was a massive line on this game. And it was Saturday morning. 
and I hadn't placed any bets yet. And I was like, man, I shouldn't let these lines get so big. And I sent Eric a text and I said, this FSU line, is that enough? He said, hell no, it's not enough. It's not even close. It's going to be a 45 point ass kicking bet the house. And I did, I made my biggest bet of the year and it was the easiest win of the year. FSU minus nine. I said at the time was, I felt that was going to be the easiest money I made all season. (laughs) It was only nine points. Yeah. I closed at nine. Oh my god! But I mean, a nine-point road favorite over a conference opponent—I mean, that's not Rival, very yeah. common. I mean, Although Miami Miami's doesn't really not. get that home field advantage baked into the formula, like a lot uh, of like yeah, no. like Auburn would or whoever. It's yeah, I would argue that's actually a benefit for Florida State or whoever's going there. So that, and, that, and that's kind of it. I mean, schedule-wise, Clemson, LSU, Clemson, and Duke. Are what stands out, and we'll see kind of what we're hearing after some of the spring games down in Miami and Gainesville. But just where we're at in this offseason and going off of last year from what we learned and what players we know are returning, and specifically the ACC competing for the ACC and divisions changing too, it's worth noting that's going to be a big change here where now it's going to be your top top two teams will be in the ACC championship. So that's why I was saying earlier, I don't see it to be a much of a shocker. If you win or lose, you most likely see each other at the end of the season, in my opinion. Well, we know the ACC can't get out of their own way when it comes to scheduling like road games at fucking Liberty or – find a find a community college and yeah. you know let's play a road, road, road game games with road game at app state if i was a coach and my athletic director came <laughs> in and said hey i schedule this a home and home with app state that's terrible i'll kill it i would quit be like, you obviously <laughs> well they do they do the two for one right they get they get probably two, but still you, you're gonna send me on the road to app state week two like <laughs> no. you obviously don't like me so i'll yeah. just end this right now I don't understand why the hell the ACC does that. I, I can't wrap my head around it. It's not good. Like, But it's funny. The only teams that aren't doing it, call them out. Clemson, Florida State, because they're about to tell the ACC to fuck off here very shortly, I would imagine. Yeah, I would love to have more. I would have killed for this to be LSU, FSU on home turfs. Could you imagine? But, you know, money's different and media rights and TV deals. But, I mean, I think college football, that's a whole nother spiel and ran i could go on because well, i would love to been in i would have loved to been over there in baton rouge yeah this game in particular is that's more network driven right because it's a, a whatever kickoff yep. classic type thing just like the game in new orleans was yeah this will be sunday labor day weekend again yeah. so it just continues there florida state continues to play on labor day weekend on sundays which is not not bad it's good for both brands you're on single single game coverage over there and it worked out very well last year with it being an absolute thriller and i'm probably expecting the same you know these two teams are very close with one another at the moment in my opinion yeah we, we were talking to preston guy from tigerbait.com last week and that's one of we talked obviously about this game uh, first and foremost, in terms of looking at 2023, and you know, there's no easing into the schedule, but uh, we all kind of agreed that Florida State probably would be a slight favorite, um, and that might be mostly owing to location as much as anything else. But we we kind of all thought that those teams are going to be very very evenly matched, and I expect a hell of a game. Um, so then, kind of transitioning from the schedule leads into what do you think are the general expectations, both from you know, the team's perspective, like what, what do they think they should or are capable of doing? And then what are the fans expecting and how different are those two things? I think the team right now is expecting more than, than some fans. I think some fans are still questioning 
can you come away with a win against a ranked opponent? I mean, let's be honest, Florida State made some mistakes there, and there were some mistakes from Jordan Travis. Go back to the NC State game. You know, there were some mistakes that were led by some of your bigger players, and, you know, you dealt with some injuries, but that can't be the excuse, though, when you're bringing up the topic of 2023 injuries that that can't be the case you've built depth you've done a good job in the transfer portal adding some more guys you know dimitri emmanuel florida state's sixth year seventh year eighth year whatever it is now veteran offensive lineman coming back you know florida state's beefed up that offensive line the expectation inside that locker room i think is the highest we we've seen in a very very long time going back to maybe 2017 of Florida State you know under Jimbo Fisher and it's all started with Mike Norvell and what he's been able to do in the culture and bringing these guys back I understand Florida State's made some significant leadway on the NIL front and it seems like it's been a slow process but now you're starting to churn up and be able to bring back some of these vets and now be able to, at least in the Florida state of things, be able to do it legally to work with some of the brands and their NILs. So it's allowed for Florida State to bring these playmakers back. But there's there's expectation to make a run. There's no doubt about it. There's, you know, you know, players have, they keep, they're very orchestrated with how they answer some of these questions. Some aren't, and they're just going to say, you know, I came back or we are expecting to do it all, win a national championship. We had Jamie Robinson on our show a couple weeks ago, and it just kept it point blank. This is a national championship caliber team talent-wise they felt like they they felt like they should have made a run last year and you kind of get some little feelings eric probably back in 2012 where that team was absolutely stacked in talent it was right there with 2013's team but they just made these little mistakes and c state also giving them problems there's just these little mistakes on the road from some of your biggest players your biggest leaders that you know can't put the blame on you know one specific person but there's a handful of things that put florida state in a bad way of having those three losses and it happened to be against ranked teams and the expectation has risen from 10 wins to now being able to potentially go fight with Clemson and, you know, up there and Charlotte for an ACC championship. There's, there's a reason why Trey Benson came back. There's a reason why Jordan Travis came back and a lot of your veteran stars on the defensive side of things, your main players, Jared verse and Fabian Lovett. This is to make a run. And this, this all started because of Mike Norvell. He was, he was able to do in the culture of things because this team is no longer selfish. And that's one of the first times I've been able to say that since covering this team, this team has, seriously lost all of that selfish BS, you know, that they, they had on them for a very long time. Accountability's back and holding each other, holding each other accountable is huge, but building respect for one another and building a family bond was something that needed because it, it, it was really nasty when Mike Norvell t- took over. You know, there's some things that we saw the Marvin Wilson incident that just seems like forever ago but it wasn't that long ago and Mike Norvell what he was able to do in this speed of time is is pretty unique and I think like Jason was saying at the very beginning of the show I think it did shock a little bit it shocked us I mean I didn't predict them to win 10 games nine games I did say eight I felt a little bit more optimistic but still no one was expecting them to beat LSU you beat Oklahoma you beat both your rivals like that there's high expectations for 2023 and and I think they're valid. It's not just me over here just shooting the shit. It's it's now valid. It is. 
Yeah, so you, I mean, you talked about the NC State game and some of those close losses in conference to ranked opponents, and I would argue, like last year's team, they were one quarter of awful football away from being eleven and one. Yeah, between the NC State game, they had a they had a, just a terrible sequence in the Wake Forest game where they there's about a six minute stretch where I think they got scored something like seventeen to three. Um, even the Clemson game, like four minutes on either side of halftime was just a nightmare. So yeah. Thanks for reminding me of those losing bets, Barry. Yeah. Anytime. That's, that's what I'm here for. Um, (laughs) so I kind of look back, I'm like, Oh, it feels like they're getting close. And I think the one, and when I look not to necessarily go back to something we talked about earlier, but the Louisville game for me was a big one because I, in our group chat, you know, we were watching that game because I think we had a couple of uh, friendly wagers on that with uh, Timmy who. Yes. Yes. And so on the road conference opponent, uh, you're down by seven at halftime and you got your backup quarterback in who just threw a horrific interception on like his second (laughs) or third snap. Right. And what I said in the group chat was like, this is a game they lose last year, period. Like this is a game they probably lose by three scores. Like it just snowballs on them. Um, And even to a lesser extent, the LSU game was similar to where they just you know, couldn't put those guys away and make a mistake. And I felt like last year and the year before is like, they wouldn't recover from that. So does that, is that more about what the coaching staff is instilling or just more experience for the players or some combination of both? Or where do you see that kind of switch turning? I'm glad you brought up the Louisville game because I definitely wanted to mention that on here this evening, that Louisville game was the turning point. I think overall for Florida state football's program, it was, it showed us right, right in front of our eyes, you know, like you had, were writing in that group chat, I'm pretty sure me and about 100,000 other Florida State fans were doing the same thing. It's over. That's a wrap. Got Tate Rodemaker out there all the day. He's over here. Oh, yeah. Twi- Twitter was like Mad Max. It, I mean, oh, it, it was, was over. Just, yeah. <laughs> it, it was over because that's what you had seen the last four, five years from Florida State where you're on the road and it's yeah, all the story. A little lines. bit of adversity and – yeah, and the team. Eric, not Eric regularly enough. lingers in the FSU Twitter circle. I'm, I'm kind of to, on the outskirts of <laughs> risky. Good Twitter. idea. Like I haven't gone in Noel Twitter, uh, Husker Twitter. Those are definitely like dip your toe in the pool type of communities. But I'm not. I'm not going no. off the high dive. I, I just no. you don't want to come down. Don't do it. That's not a good suggestion. <laughs> Definitely during a football game, it is. It could be ruthless, and people will delete their accounts and say, "I'm done with this team. It's over." And then you see them in a couple of weeks when they're winning, and it's just so dramatic. Yeah, they're doing the chop and uh, yeah, head to like, toe. Yeah, like what mm-hmm. are we doing here? It's, it's it's just football, but you know, it does get aggravating when Florida State would go on the road in these games and the talent. It's the talent Florida state has a talent. It's just, are you mature enough to make stupid mistakes, which they did a lot of in 2021, which screwed them. Like we were talking about earlier, Florida state had a chance in 2021 on the road against Clemson, but silly, silly, stupid mistakes put you in bad spots. And that's exactly what you were going to be picturing in this NC state game. Definitely with Jordan Travis, not being there, you have injuries with Jared verse along with some other guys. And you're like, Oh, this is it. But we saw that turning point right there where Tate Rodemaker came out from halftime and he was able to play like a collegiate football player at the quarterback position. Yeah, he he looked, watching that, like the guy I saw at Valdosta, just chucking it everywhere. Um, I think, yeah, 
it's it's a it's a lot of different things I could say, but let's just say he hit. You know, he got that manlyhood in him during that yeah, no, Saturday little, night. Yeah, he it, took a couple shots and put some hair on his chest, and next thing you yep. know, he's hitting a deep crosser. Um, yeah, Johnny Wilson. <laughs> That was, but that was it though. And a lot of guys had to make plays, and Trey Benson was able to step up there. And you're like, okay, this is a running back that I can now rely on. Sign me up. And Florida State was able to start using some of their other playmakers. And I, you know, just with all the adversity, your starting quarterback, who was practically your starting running back, too. And you had Tate Rodemaker in there, which really we felt like was just even going to hurt, it was going to hurt your team even more. You know, they all they wanted AJ Duffy in there after the first series. It was just, you know, Mike Ravel holding on to what he thought was best. And that was keeping ta- Tate Rodemaker out there. And boom, you know, you were you were you needed to rely on your best playmakers. And you know, Johnny Wilson was one of those, and Tate Rodemaker knew that he could go to him. And that's the luck of having that. And luckily we were able to have Jordan Travis back healthy during your next game. But that that was by far the most pivotal point. We might look back at it after Florida State if they do indeed make a bigger run than they did last year we will look back at that louisville game and say yes that is it that was where florida state switched it that was the switch button for for mike norvell on the road that night mm-hmm. all hmm. right well, last one and this is kind of our feature presentation of the show <laughs> before you oh, what, you got one eric, okay well before you do that eric i, I kind of wanted to get logan's take on this because I'm, I'm looking at this florida state team and since you know in the some of the past episodes like we talked a little bit about before the show we talk about nfl draft stuff with uh, some of these guys some of these beat writers and uh, florida state doesn't really have you know anybody of consequence that's going to be drafted this year in the first or second round you know that we know of unless somebody just reaches out you know just some does something crazy and i'm kind of looking at it next year and it's sort of more of the same it's like i I don't really know i mean johnny wilson maybe he could step out and be that dude if he just you know gets like stops just catching the crazy insane balls and tries to catch the easy ones too (laughs) but it's kind of a blue collar sort of team and so you you kind of wonder when you go and you face these teams like an LSU who we know has got NFL draft caliber talent all over the field and you've got the Clemsons who have first rounders on their defensive line every year I mean is that something that concerns you or the Florida State staff do they think well some of these guys are just going to step up and you don't know about them yet I, th- I think verse would have been a first rounder had he come out of the draft like I'm almost positive yeah I mean that's a possibility it is yeah definitely a guy Jared still has a ton of work to do but he had that he has that raw talent and mm. he has the mentality that I think any GM next year are you know are gonna fight for him I mean they're they're gonna push up and there's gonna be a lot of invites to the organizations to come in and, and get with this guy because the talent that they have is at least for Jared verse wise it, it changes a lot and it changes the game for Florida State and they changed the game against LSU right off the bat and you know we were waiting for him to explode because we saw it in the spring and I was already telling our followers and inside our discord that you've got to get ready for this and that this was this time last year even maybe even earlier than that this this guy was special but Florida State is going to rely going to have to rely on these playmakers going to have to rely on Trey Benson but I think too you have depth built behind it and it all starts with that offensive line Coach Atkins, what he's been able to do, he was a guy that interviewed for uh, the LA LA Rams offensive line position. That was kind of hush-hush, not a lot of chatter there about it, but he's a young up-and-coming 
offensive line coach that is either going to, I think, be a head coach. I think he could be a head coach in a lot of the smaller places, work himself up, or he could take a big big position, I think, outside of college football. I think that's the route that at least Mike Norvell wants to have with him and keep him as long as he can and not allow another school to come in and take him. And offensive line is what has brought Florida State into being able to compete, and also that helps improve your quarterback in the back. But these are are good teams Florida State are going to be facing. LSU – Clemson, Duke, you know, Miami, Florida, those are still rivalry games. You'll go on the road against Pittsburgh, but the Florida State has to improve. This isn't where you're just going to bring back your bring back your 2022 team and everything's going to be fine. You're going to make a run. Florida State, Minor Bell, they have to develop and improve. And I think a quote from last week hearing from Minor Bell saying that his best players are making improvements is what you want to hear and Mike he'll have his coach speak here and there but there's some certain things that you can pick out and point out that yeah this on Tuesday's practice he said that and then you you specifically go to that and you look on Thursday and like okay I see what he's talking about that you know that's exactly that's what you want to hear going into this next season and it's not everything's not going to be given to you and I that's really my question and you might be thinking the same thing too Eric is now okay this team has all of the expectations this team used to not have expectations didn't have expectations last year but now it has the heaviest expectations it's seen on its program in six years or more now what do you where do you go like where where is Florida State going to go on the caliber of making to an ACC championship in Charlotte to make that playoffs because that's exactly what Florida State is is, is trying to do in house right now. Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. Well, in order for them to make the playoff, I would argue that they're going to need big playoffs. contributions from someone who maybe is not a household name. And I know you listened to the LSU episode last week um, or from last week that we recorded with Preston, and we, we've done this with all of our beat writers. I'm, I'm actually compiling this list and I'm going to uh, issue some sort of award at the end of the season, but for our award show this past there's season, no, there's no money involved. Just FYI. Yep. Just <laughs> set expectations low right off the bat. Uh, when we do our postseason award show, one of the awards is the Conor McGregor. Who the fuck is that guy award, which is effectively our breakout player of the year award. Someone who comes out of nowhere has, has a big season. Uh, Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee was our our winner this past season, kind of for reference. So if I told you or asked you, hey, give me Florida State's 2023 most likely candidate to be the South End Zone Connor McGregor, who the fuck is that guy award nominee, right? Someone who maybe fans who are not very close to the program don't know a lot about or haven't heard of that you could see maybe breaking out. Who the fuck is that guy? I think for me, if I want to pick one, because I always like doing this too, I, I don't like picking the favorite ones. I want to find someone that hasn't seen the field as much and someone that I can highly expect. Treshawn Ward was mine a couple of years ago, and he ended up being fourth seed starter that year and the next year. For me, I, I want to go specific, specifically, I want to say Pat Payton. He had his flashes last year, uh, you know, won, I forget which award, six man or whichever, not six man, that would have been basketball, but uh, maybe a rookie defensive player of the season was Pat Payton. And we saw some big time emergence from him just being able to do a pretty good job in the run, but we also saw him in the pass rush threat, but he now is going to get an opportunity to start on the other side from Jared Verse. Derek McLennan, former Florida State starting defensive end, decided to hit the transfer portal not too long ago and is already visiting multiple other schools. So 
Pat, Pat Payne's going to see a lot on a lot of field time next season. I think, you know, uh, to me personally, it almost feels like a little bit of a steal too, but he still has a lot to show us. And to me, to be a breakout guy, you've got to be on the caliber of a Trey Benson, a Johnny Wilson, uh, and or Jared first. Th- th- those are breakout guys, in my opinion, to be honest with you. You, you got to be a star player that broke out that maybe didn't know much of or didn't expect a much of going into the season. And, you know, Pat Payton is almost of that caliber, but there, there's a lot of, a lot of upside for him. And there's also a lot of, for us to learn and see what he can do in 2023. That should be a fun defensive end room to watch because now you got the playing time ahead of you, but he's still got to compete for a starting job on the other side of verse. Hmm. Okay. So we talked earlier about the, the wide receiver room and there is quite a bit of depth there. And I was curious as to your, so scale of one to 10, what do you think Hakeen Williams is our chances are to maybe be that Connor McGregor guy? Is there, are there just, is he going to get enough run? Now, if we say freshman guys that could break out next season, and this is going to be a bold take. I haven't done one in anybody's show. I haven't done it on ours even, but it'll be Vondravius Jacobs over Hikey Williams, in my opinion. Um, this kid, just watching him and camp and what he's done in the scrimmages and hearing some really good things, he's just ahead of Hikey right now. And that's not saying that Hikey is not going to have a solid career for State. He is. This is a... This is a product that Mike Norvell is working on to continue to develop in Ron Dugan's room. And Mike Norvell is very hands-on with this group because coming back from his playing days at wide receiver. But Florida State's true freshman wide receiver room, specifically with Hakeem and Vandravius, Vandravius has picked it up more. And not saying that Hakeem won't this season, but I think Vandravius Jacobs, if he can get his blocking down, he's going to see more of the playing field in 2023. And I'd – you know, it's hard to go against that because Minervell absolutely loves Hakeem. And I think it's just a slower getting used to the college style of things and how they're ran for Hakeem. And Hakeem has made some plays, absolutely. But Von Dravis Jacobs has been the most consistent, not just freshman, newcomer, but the most consistent player on Florida State's roster during the spring, consistently making plays, grabbing touchdowns, doing that in the scrimmages also as well. And he's just a guy that will go up for anything and is just really, really willing to risk it all. And, you know, that's kind of like my bold little take there. But, you know, there's a high, there's a very high optimistic future for Hakeem. Definitely what Mike Rebell likes to do in this offense, putting the ball in his playmaker's hands. Mm. That is bold takes. We love them. I'm tag freezing cold takes, Eric. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> that poor up. bastard gets tagged probably <laughs> 400 times a day. We don't need to add on. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Eric, do you have anything for Logan before we get let him uh, get back to it, man? No, I think I think I am all filled up on, on Florida State knowledge. Um, I probably have a little head, head start on most non-Florida State fans. No, you know, give it five again, minutes and yeah. you'll, you'll say, ah, oh, shit, I should have asked. Again, I'm on the fringes, but yeah. <laughs> no, I'm all set. I think we're good. All right. Well, Logan, we appreciate you uh, lending your time to us to come on and chat some FSU football with us. And uh, yeah, man, best of luck this season. Hope uh, we, we on this show are of the opinion that sort of like the Texases and USC's and the Michigans of the world, like FSU's in that conversation where – their football is just better when they're good. I mean, does that make sense? Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. So, 
hopefully they get back to it and take a step forward and maybe jump into the playoff conversation this year. But again, thanks for coming on the show, man. We'll talk to you soon. Thank both of you, Eric and Jason. This was awesome to come on here and chat some Florida State football, just kind of kick it back and wishing you all the best of luck. This is a great show. So if you ever need me later on down the road, if I do get that award, Eric, I will definitely oh, you'll, you'll be, be, be reaching out to make sure I'm coming back onto the show to receive my award. For yeah, that. he's throwing <laughs> your nicest tuxedo yeah, that's, t-shirt. And yeah, that's, what, that's truly what it's for. We're, we're trying to gauge who gets to come back on. That's, yeah, okay, that's good. Okay, I'm yeah. Hoping, hopefully, <laughs> I can make that happen. I will go back to Jaheim Bell if he has 10-plus touchdowns, and I'm just still going to try to <laughs> cheat and come back on here. But appreciate y'all. Y'all have a great evening, and y'all have a great season ahead. All right, Logan. See you, man. Thanks yeah, for thanks, coming. Thanks, Logan. All right. Florida State. Indeed, man. First time in the better part of a decade that they've had actual expectations going into a season. So oh that, I guess that's my I, biggest question is how they're going to handle that because it is somewhat new to them. So, Oh, yeah. It's new. But, well, you think about it, like the kids that are in college now, like they were fucking seven years old the last time FSU mm-hmm. was good. Like they well, some of them. Good. I mean, some of them were as old as like twelve. But yeah, I, I well, get what you're yeah, saying. They, they were little kids the last time Florida State was good. Man, they don't even remember the good old days of Florida State. They were fucking tiny. So that's what I, yeah, I laugh. may as well be Army running shit in the forties. You know, it's right, <laughs> and it's the same. It I deal with it on a daily, but it's the opposite. Like the kids, <laughs> like my kids, they don't remember Alabama sucking, and I'm like, you fucking lucky. Little shits. I promise it happened. You don't, you don't even know what it's like. I lived through six years of losing Auburn. You know, I feel like the guy that's like, I walked 15 miles in the snow uphill both ways. I survived Mike Shula. Yeah. Oh, God. The Mike Price debacle. He's in there snorting. Yeah. Who, who else did they have? Francione? Yeah. Francione, Mike Price, before he even coached a game, gets canned for snorting cocaine off a stripper's ass. I mean, it just. Oh, the good old days of Alabama football before Saban. A lot of folks don't remember that. At least kids don't. So I'm sure Florida State's a lot, but the opposite. You know, they don't they don't remember when it was good. It's been so bad for so long that they're like, thank God. So we'll be interesting to see what kind of uh, <laughs> reaction and expectations they come with, you know. Yeah, I think I'm on the fence between uh, 10 wins and 11 in terms of regular season. I think – how the LSU uh, man, game I'm, goes is going to go a long way in determining kind of what their outlook for the season is. Well, they should be favored in every game except Clemson and LSU. So, I mean, you you could make an argument for Florida depending on what time of the or what they look like at the end of the year. But uh, I mean, Graham Mertz, stop, get out of here. Yeah, they are. But the problem for Florida State is the same thing with a lot of teams, and that's they are one injury away from being, you know, a eight and four team, you know, without Jordan Travis, like they're, they're fucked. So if they can manage to keep him upright, which has been a problem for them in the past, and they were banged up on the offensive line last year, starting some freshmen at one point. Now they did take a, you know, huge step forward at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. We saw that, but so we'll see if that maintains, but that's mainly what I'm interested to see because it is like a blue collar type of team where there's really no, that guy's a first round draft pick, hundred percent chance. You know what I'm saying? Especially yeah. on the offensive side of the ball. So yeah, it's not like you know, Georgia where you look at the roster and you've got eleven five star <laughs> recruits on defense. Yeah. yeah. But 
you know, but they they put it together. They he's they've done an excellent job of developing guys. They they've really picked their spots in the transfer portal and done very very well. So they they have assembled a talented roster, and they they execute their scheme well. They play disciplined for the most part. Um, but when they don't, it's or at least when they didn't this past season, it got ugly quick on them. So. Yeah. They they've shown strides in dealing with that adversity in game, like we talked about it a couple of times. So, I, you know, if, if that time traveler that we talk about sometimes, <laughs> that time traveler, that from, guy, that damn guy, from March of 2024 came tapped me on the shoulder and said, "Hey, you know, Florida State went 11 and one, won the ACC championship." made the playoff and lost in the semifinal, right? I wouldn't have any problem believing that because I, th- I think the potential is there. Yeah. I, I don't know that I'm ready to go there. I, I don't, I agree that they did take a huge step forward, but again, expectations, there mm-hmm. were no expectations last year. The win total was six and a half. Right. Everybody was sleeping on them. Well, now nobody's fucking sleeping on them. You know, nobody. Yeah, They're not going to have that problem again for until their no. next sub 500 season. Yeah which, yeah, which might not be for a long, long time. Yeah, so I'm not quite ready to jump on the. You know, they have a. I'll I'll say they have a chance to win the ACC. They have a chance to make the playoff, but they're going to have to, you know, win 11 or 12 games to do it. So I, until I see them do that again, it's kind of like the Texas thing, you know, where Texas shows up and they blow out Oklahoma 49 to nothing, and we're like, oh. Is Texas back? No, they're not back. They lose to Kansas a week later. You know, that kind of shit. So until I see some consistency, I'm not going to buy into it yet. I hope, like, as a better, I would hope that their Vegas total is astronomical. It's like 10 and a half or 11. And mm-hmm. that would be like, oh, easy under. But maybe not. And we'll see. Nothing easy about those over-unders, as we learned. Not on the ACC. No, that was an absolute bloodbath. So. No, that was rough. <laughs> All right. So uh, next week, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I sent you the schedule. I'm, I'm so out of it. I've been getting kicked. You know what? I don't. We we've talked about having uh, Josh from Sooner Scoop on. I think this would be the third show in a row, and I'm just not going to do it anymore. We'll have an episode <laughs> next week. I promise. We will yeah. talk about football. We most likely have a guest on, but I'm not telling you who it is because I don't know. All right. Well, <laughs> that being said, we're good. We're going to close it out. You guys can find us on Twitter at South End Zone Pod. Same on all the social medias, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Same thing. YouTube.com slash at South End Zone Pod. And uh, you can follow me at Jason Bailey 47. You can follow Eric at Eric Mulher. And we'll be back with you next week talking more college football uh, as part of the Belly Up Sports Network. So thank you to them for letting us host this show with them. So we'll be back with you next week. See you then. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here.